Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode 14 of Coffee with the Queen. I'm Nicole. And I'm Cindy. And today we're sharing our tips on how to pair coffee with food. With the holidays just around the corner, and I'm not sure about you, but here we start the holidays with Halloween. Coffee takes a new place of prominence in our life, starting with breakfast and ending with late night snacking on leftover candy. So if you're interested in anything that we cover today, there will be a lot. Don't worry about remembering it. Everything that we've discussed today is also available via links to our blog, coffeewiththequeen.com or coffeewiththequeen.podbean.com. So one of the trickiest things about pairing coffee with food is that coffee contains over 850 flavor notes and aromatics, many of which go unnoticed until mixed with either a complementary or antagonistic flavor. So while coffee is coffee, it's also so much more and can really alter the overall taste of your brunch, dinner, dessert, if not paired properly. So with all these flavor possibilities ready to burst from the bean, a single coffee's taste can change dramatically depending on what it's being consumed with. The good news is that while there are all these possibilities, a bean's natural characteristics and dominant notes won't change. And so that's where we're going to start. It should be exciting. Yes, it's very exciting. <laughs> As just mentioned, coffee like wine, which only has approximately 200 flavor notes and aromatics, is very complex with a myriad of flavor combinations, textures, and acidity levels. Because of this, we strongly recommend taking a second to assess the dominant characteristics of whatever you want to pair to, which is usually food. So unless you're us or doing a coffee tasting, you're probably trying to pair your coffee to your food, not your food to your coffee. So some key questions to ask are, what are the dominant flavor or flavors? Is the food or the thing that you're pairing to sweet, spicy, savory, or a combination of those things? Is the flavor delicate or robust? Is it the food or whatever you're pairing to acidic? And if so, what kind of acidity? Is it a bright, tangy acidity like a mango or a lemon? Or is it a soft, gentle acidity like lychee or an apricot? You want to figure out what the texture is. So is it a silky texture, creamy, thick, thin, light? And then how dark is the thing that you're pairing to? Which I know sounds pretty silly, but it really actually makes a difference. So light foods such as eggs and angel cake tend to go better with lighter coffees. And dark foods such as chocolate or steak are going to go better with a darker coffee. Right. Well, that makes sense because you really don't want one flavor to overpower the other. Yeah, no. And it's, it's, I mean, it seems so simplistic, but it really actually works in terms of, you know, if you think about it, I was actually sitting here thinking earlier of different light foods and making a list and they all are lighter and almost more refreshing than those foods that are darker. Well, absolutely. And yes, you wouldn't want the coffee to totally dominate and take away those lovely light notes. Yeah, so no, simple, exactly, yeah. You know, simple sometimes that's the, you know, Occam's razor. It's the straightest distance between two points. So sometimes the simplest answer or the easiest way makes the most sense. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think with, with at least coffee and food pairing, that's definitely true. So deconstructing your food and your coffee like this may sound excessive, but to Cindy's point and what we just discussed, it's really essential to creating a harmonious pairing. And it, well, it may take a few minutes the first time you do it. It gets much, much easier as you practice to the point where you, you know, you'll be able to do it in a couple seconds. So once you've identified the dominant characteristics you wish to pair to, the next step is determining how you want your coffee and your food to interact. For example, are the flavors and you know, the thing that you're pairing to things that you'd like to enhance or things that you'd like to modify? So is there a saltiness or sharpness in the dish that you want to minimize or something that you really want, like a chocolate caramel tone that you really want to bring out? So while the first step is deconstruction, and that will help you select a roast or a region. The next step, figuring out how you want these foods to interact, should really help you narrow down your good choices to your best options. And after that, it just comes to personal preference. So there are a few ways to pair your coffee with your food, by mirror, by contrast, or by origin. 
So mirror pairings are just that. They're matching the dominant flavors in your food and your coffee to best enhance the flavors in each. So if you're having a chocolate dish or something with a lot of pepper, you want to pick a coffee that will mirror that and really bring out those flavors. For me, you know, personally, I think this is a great approach for more complex meals or desserts. So it really, it really concentrates the aromatics and the flavor notes. If you have too many things going on, it could actually create confusion. So more complex meal, I'd say go for a mirror pairing. Contrast pairings, on the other hand, are great if you want to create more balance or dimension in a meal or to minimize some aspect of the food or the coffee that you don't love, such as bitterness, thickness, or a lack of flavor variety. With contrast pairings, you're literally looking for opposites. So, for example, if you have a very sweet dish that's verging on too sweet, you may want to pair it with a coffee that's a little spicier to bring some balance. Or if you have a very salty dish, you may want to go for a coffee with higher acidity just to kind of cut through that saltiness. And then origin pairings are just pairing foods with coffees that come from the same region. And this is a great option. It's probably the easiest way to start and pretty fail-proof as coffee absorbs flavors from its soil. So things that are grown together tend to have very similar flavorings. You'll end up with a mirror pairing. It's just a great way to begin. Right. So you say origin pairings, but I think it's sort of complementary when it's an origin pairing. They're growing by each other, so they complement each other. Yeah, most of the time it'll be a mirror pairing. The Sumatra is probably a great example because you can have medium roast Sumatra all the way up to a dark roast Sumatra. And depending on how you roast it, you're going to get different elements of, of pepper, you know, and also the processing will, will make an impact. There's a basic roast pairing then also. Yeah, so that's what we're going to talk about right now. And I think that's actually the easiest way to start with pairing because while regions and countries, there can be so much variation. Even if you have a broad characteristics, there can be a lot of variation within coffees from that region. The roasts are pretty standard and universal. So right. I think roast, looking at roast is probably the best way to start. So light roast coffees tend to be more acidic, which we refer to as bright in the coffee world. They're caffeine rich. They tend to be on the sweeter side and they are almost overflowing with this great array of natural flavors. Well, I should say natural delicate flavors. Light roasts also tend to be lighter in mouthfeel than medium or dark roast. So looking for similar characteristics in food, it's very natural to pair light roasts with dishes dominated by fruits, vegetables, eggs, and then light, fluffy pastries or cakes. So for a mirror pairing for a light roast, we look for foods that are light in texture and color, and that often have some bright or sweet notes. So light roast pairs work really well with most breakfast dishes, so pancakes, waffles, cereals, yogurts, fruits, sugar cookies, puff pastry, and then fruit-based desserts. Right. I was going to say light roasts, it, it makes sense. Light roasts are typically your breakfast blends or light roasts and your morning yep. coffees. Yep. Yeah. And they just really go well with those foods. So people do it naturally. You, you know, light roasts have, uh, most often they have a lighter texture, a lighter mouthfeel. They're lighter in color and they're brighter. They have much more, by brighter, they have much more acidity and kind of tingliness in your mouth. Contrast pairings for a light roast would be foods that are rich and creamy. And most often you'll find them with foods that have vegetables, some other kind of sweet element or acidity to it. So vegetable or fruit-based, butter-based dishes and desserts, and then salty foods. So the higher acidity in light roast coffees balances out the texture of creamy fruit and vegetable-based dishes. It also balances out the thickness in avocado and hummus without overpowering the taste, which is something I think you mentioned earlier, Cindy. If you have a delicate fruit, even if it's got that creamy texture, it's very easy to overpower with a strong coffee. So pairing right. something like avocado, they're popular and it's creamy and it's dense, and so you might be tempted to, to put it with something darker. It's very easy to overpower the taste of the avocado, kind of create a mush in your mouth where if you 
match avocado with a light roast, most likely you're going to get the best of both worlds. You'll get the avocado with just a touch of lightness and sweetness that will lift it and cut through some of that heaviness without overpowering the coffee. Right. And a lot of these things, I think, come to you naturally. You take a bite of the dish, you have a sip of the coffee, you're like, oh, no. So you put the coffee away and you eat the dish. Like, yeah. I think you need to trust your instincts. So some of these some of these things, like these are great guidelines, but some of these things, your taste buds are going to tell you right away. This goes, this doesn't go. Yeah. And I think as we go through this, you'll see that a lot of what we do with light roast and dark roast probably has happened very naturally. And right. it's what people would normally gravitate to over time, just because we've learned from our, our preferences. The other thing that I would pair with light roast would be butter-based dishes and pastries like shortbread, lemon cake, anything that that's really what I would call butter-based. So foods that have a light texture. So finally, pairing light roast with a salty dish also is a really great idea because the acidity in the coffee will help kind of cut through some of the salt and make it taste less salty. Unless you really want salt. Right. right. I was going to say, unless that's not what you're going for. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Next, medium roast. So medium roasts span the greatest flavor, acidity, and textural range of all roasts. They can have acidity that's moderate to high, and they can have mouthfeels that are moderate to heavy, depending on where they fall within the medium roast range. That said, while a medium roast will have good body, it should never be dense or heavy or what we call it, creamy. So in the, really, in terms of texture, you're talking about a medium roast. The thickest you'll probably get would be to like a velvety be below creamy. And if that all sounds crazy to you, just ignore it. In terms of flavor, medium roast preserve the beans' natural dominant flavors, though the base notes may dominate once you get to the far end of the medium roast scale. So this makes medium roast a little bit tricky. For lighter medium roast, things that we would call true medium roast, so if you shop queen bean, that would be our breakfast blend, that pairs best with foods that we've recommended for light roast. Right. The darker medium roast, which would be anything that's at that full city shade or above, will pair well with foods that pair best with light roast, but they'll also pair really well with foods that could match with dark roast, with the lighter dark roast, so primarily the Vienna shade dark roast. So mirror pairings for medium roast, milk, white, and creamy chocolates, soufflés, mousse, brownies, anything where the chocolate is got a creamy, sweeter texture. A dark roast chocolate, I would never put with a medium roast because it could very easily overpower the coffee. So again, this comes down to what we were talking about before with color. So medium roast is kind of, if you were going to talk about it in terms of chocolate, kind of like our milk chocolate. Right. I think medium roast, you have this good opportunity, though, like if the coffee has a honey note or a nut note and it's complimentary in the dessert, you have a really good opportunity to bring out and enhance both flavors Yeah, in medium roast. Yeah, so another merit pairing for the medium roast would be lighter, denser pastries, too, which would be like a donut or a beignet or, or something like that, where you can have that sweetness and that honey, and but it's still got a heavy mouthfeel. The one thing that we do not recommend pairing a medium roast with is anything fruit-based, because the acidity in the coffee and the acidity in the fruit can sometimes create like little battlefields in your mouth, like particularly if you're using an African where you'd think these two things would pair really well together, and they don't. They just, they almost try to overpower each other and can create an almost bitter taste in your mouth. Yeah, I'll, I'll agree with you. That's a trickier pairing. I mean, you can find uh, an acidic medium that goes right with a fruit, but it's going to be a much a harder pairing. Yeah, it'll be easier with stone fruits and harder probably with berries. Yeah. I think berries are probably the trickiest. Because you see, like, oh, you know, a canyon has bright berry tones in it. And so you'll have berries with it, and all of a sudden, it, nothing tastes that great. <laughs> and it's just that the acidity isn't complementary, and it's biting each other in your mouth. Yeah, you used a good term to describe it. When your pairing is off, everything starts to taste muddy. 
Yeah. Yeah, it does. You'll know instantly when it's like, whoops, this is a bad one. And so then contrast pairings for medium roast coffees tend to be tangy, bold foods, particularly those with milk-based texture and moderately spiced foods. So medium roast tends to have a textured mouthfeel that can support weightier mouthfeels in food. It also spars well with highly acidic foods and with spicy foods. In that case, it can enhance everything, both in the coffee and in the food. Yeah. Does your mom like to have Mills blend with tuna? Yeah, yeah, she does. And that would be a really weird combination to many people. But Mills has a, a soft acidity, so it has an apple-ish with a, just a touch of lemon acidity. So it's a really light acidity. It's not a powerful acidity. But it kind of cuts through the creaminess of the tuna because tuna can be a little bit thick. At least for me, it can be a little thick and a little salty. But when you put that together with the light acidity of the Mills, it actually tastes really, really good. Well, yeah, and many people add apple to their tuna, so the apple notes are (laughs) a wonderful complement to tuna fish. Didn't know that, but um, it makes sense because it's always one of her absolute favorite pairings. So anyone who's ever come to our house for lunch and has had my mom loves tuna fish, (laughs) probably had tuna fish with milks. So finally, dark roasts. The dark roasts have the lowest acidity and the heaviest mouthfeel of all roasts. They also exhibit the least of the natural coffee tones. So unlike light and medium roast, dark roasts are all about consistency in the roast and often mute the bean's natural flavors to achieve the roast flavor, making dark roasts actually the easiest to pair of all roasts. So a marrow pairing for a dark roast would be rich dark chocolates, crispy dishes, heavily spiced dishes, and cream-based foods. So anything really heavy, thick, or dark. And <laughs> With rich. Dark roast, and rich, yes. With dark roasts, we suggest marrow pairing by texture and shade. So dense, full foods like dark chocolate, heavy cakes, truffles, creamier foods like curry or cream-based soups are all going to be very well supported by the heavy, almost syrup-like texture of some of these dark roasts. Yeah, Italian roast with my spicy dark chocolate brownies. Yum. Yeah, because that that would make sense because Italian alone can be a little bit, to me, almost bitter. But once you start adding it to to, uh, mixing it with something that's sweet... You don't taste that bitterness. You just get the real support and creaminess and those deep, deep, dark chocolate undertones of it. I could see that being a really great combination. Additionally, dark roasts have a hint of bitterness and spice to them that can accentuate spice in a food. So intensifying the flavors both in the food and the coffee. So when, when you're pairing a dark roast with a really spicy dish, it's often best. The one note here is to match the spice for spice, like pepper to pepper or clove to pepper. And that would be my one caveat with, with pairing dark roast with a spicy dish. But you might have more to say about this, Cindy, because you eat more spicy food than me. Right. I was going to say the the spicy coffee, like our dark and spicy blend, I'll often drink with uh, a really zesty, spicy uh, Mexican dish. Even okay. uh, huevos ranchero with spice in it. And that so, has lots of beans, right? Like I can see that because it's got that really critch. Yeah. But while so while it's eggs, which you would typically think light, fluffy, lighter coffee, once you add that spice and those peppers into it, it goes really well with a dark and a spicy coffee. Yeah. Yeah. So like these are fluids. We did say breakfast before, but it's definitely fluid depending on what you're actually having for breakfast. I bet it would go good if you had steak and eggs as well. Yeah. And if you put spices in your eggs, like I do, like many people do, like I would love some hot pepper with my breakfast. Yeah, I think the one thing that I would warn people here is I've made this mistake before. Is just watch your spice. I'm just gonna reiterate this one more time because pepper to pepper could be great, clove to clove could be great, lemon can be awful. Oh, horrible. Um, I so just really watch the the spices that are in the coffee 
the dominant notes that are in the coffee and the dominant notes that are in your food because just grabbing a spicy coffee without looking at what actually like what flavors are actually in there. Yeah, it could lead to an incongruous hair. Yeah, so definitely look to try to match spice to spice if you're going. Really more so with a medium roast than with a very dark roast. A medium roast, you should be more careful of the dominant notes in the coffee. I would say, yeah, for the dominant notes in the coffee. For the spice, I would say watch it all the way through. And for me, it's actually more prominent in the dark roast. I think maybe because I'm not a huge spice person like in terms of pepper. It's not what I love. And so if it's the dominant note in a like something like a Sumatra, yeah, I find it much more... I'm much more aware of it than say if it were in a medium roast, even if yeah, it's well, not for a medium roast. So. I really totally get your point because I'm not, you know, I'm not the hugest Sumatran fan and it, it uh, overwhelms almost everything I'm eating. So oh, yeah, now- see, like I like Sumatra, but with a dark, like I, I'd put it with dark chocolate or something mm. that didn't have, or, or something like peppery chocolate or something like that, or peppery nuts, like spice nuts. Okay. So so you guys get our idea. (laughs) uh, Just be careful with how you match your spices. So for contrast pairings for dark roast, look for something that's bitter, tangy, foods that are pungent or have a lot of sour cream, yogurts, cheese. Cheesecake's a great one to pair with dark roast. Also desserts that have a near burnt quality, like a creme brulee. All those are probably going to pair really well with any dark roast. The low acidity, heavy mouthfeel of the dark roast tends to beautifully complement and cut through the density of these really rich foods, allowing you to better taste the nuanced flavors both in the food and in the coffee. And finally, flavored coffees. So this should be <laughs> flavored coffees match with the flavors in the coffee. So if you're having chocolate chip coffee, go for chocolate chips or something with chocolate. Perhaps the easiest of the pairings. <laughs> yeah, the, because the aromatics are so strong in a flavored coffee that if you try to pair flavored coffee with something that you don't want to necessarily eat with that flavor. It could just be unpleasant. and It'll be playing tricks in your in your senses. Yeah, so and on the other side of that, if you have it with chocolate chip with chocolate chip, uh, blow up exponentially, increase those wonderful flavor tones. Yeah, one combination I like at the holidays is a peppermint bark coffee with peppermint. I really love because I love I love peppermint. So that's one where I love to double down. Yeah, like the smell I mean, I, and the taste. And- yeah, I made a peppermint cocktail with the peppermint bar coffee, and it was so delicious. And so it tasted like Christmas, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Smelled like Christmas, tasted like Christmas. Um, I think I remember that one. It even had, you had little candy cane bits on it, so it looked like Christmas, too. Um, yeah, it's delicious. And so that wraps up our coffee and food pairing section. This was pretty simplistic, but it covers all the basics that you need, I think, to get started. If you'd like to learn more, specifically about pairing coffee and chocolate, please visit coffeewithqueen.com or the bottom of this podcast episode. There should be links at the bottom. It will take you to the blog entries we've written about coffee and food pairing. And with that, I think Cindy's now going to walk you through a great chocolate recipe that will be perfect for Halloween and going into the holiday season. Yeah, you know, I think before I even get into that, I'm just going to make a note about pairing uh, coffee and alcohol since we're talking about pairing. So much like uh, coffee and foods, the color pairing is a really good tip when you want to pair coffee and alcohol. So if you're using a dark rum, use a dark coffee. If you're using a light alcohol that's not vodka, use a light coffee. Vodka, on the other hand, can pair with almost any coffee well because of its, you know, it's got almost, I I like to call it a see-through flavor. (laughs) <laughs> it yeah. can mix with almost anything seamlessly. So I just wanted to throw that in there because, you know, I'm always making coffee and cocktails. I didn't want to <laughs> no, leave. No, that's good. Coffee. I have a feeling everyone always is ready for a cocktail during the holiday time. This is such a crazy year on so many levels. Everyone should start spiking their coffee just a little. <laughs> Everybody needs to between the election and the holiday season, right, Nicole? Yeah. 
that's what I was thinking. Yeah. But I'll get back to coffee and foods and tell you that as we go into the holiday season, I have the perfect dessert for you to bring along to a holiday meal or really just the perfect dessert for your family for any time. Uh, last week, I made some chocolate hazelnut espresso bites. And it was easy, it was quick, and it was delicious. It's a one-pan dessert that has maximum impact. And all you need to make it is chocolate chips, and that's the semi-sweet chips, like you're going to make Toll House cookies, hazelnuts, espresso powder, and I use my homemade espresso powder, and then your basic baking ingredients, flour, sugar, and eggs. So if you're a complete do-it-yourselfer, you can roast the hazelnuts yourself, and I give you a link on the blog to do that. But it's perfectly fine to start this recipe with pre-roasted skid nuts, which you can get online, or I think you can get them at the local grocery. At least I know you can get them at Whole Foods. The preparation for this recipe is really fast, and the squares bake up to ooey, gooey perfection. And you actually cut them really small because they're so dense and rich that you don't need a big piece to be satisfied. So I call them chocolate hazelnut espresso bites because you only need one bite to get that full, rich flavor. So as I said, I use my homemade espresso powder because it's easy to make. And also sometimes you can't find espresso powder at the grocery. So yeah. but if you're lucky enough to find it, you can skip that step of making your own espresso powder and use the pre-made. But you really should put espresso powder in this recipe specifically because it adds a depth and a richness that you cannot imitate in any other way. So I top these squares off with my homemade chocolate ganache frosting. Again, the recipe is included on the blog, but you can use your favorite frosting or even leave them unfrosted. But I think that that a creamy sort of extra burst of sweetness on top of the dense chocolate is really a great treat. And at the end, I just sprinkled a touch of crushed hazelnuts, which accentuates that hazelnut flavor. And this dessert is really for those chocolate lovers out there. And since we're talking about pairings in this episode, many coffees would actually go well with this dessert. My choice would be an extreme dark roast. But as you know, I, I am a dark roast drinker. But this chocolate has some depth and richness that it's a truly complimentary flavor. I wouldn't go for a Sumatran, but I would go for a slightly bitter one like an Italian roast. But the possibilities are endless. A medium roast like Cafe La Reina, which I think pairs really well, would also work well. It also has nut tones in it. No, I would probably um, also recommend a Campesina. Cindy likes darker and bitter. I like them to like sweeter. But Campesina would be a good one that has the nut base and the natural sweetness, but would still be able to support the richness of like that nut in the chocolate. Yeah, I think that's a really, really good choice also. And also, if you wanted to, just what we were talking about before, if you wanted to really exaggerate the hazelnut flavors, you could go for a hazelnut flavored coffee. Mm. And there are some chocolate hazelnuts or just your plain ordinary hazelnut, which is one of the most popular flavored coffees in actually in the world. This recipe is on our blog, but there'll also be links from the podcast site. And should you try to make it yourself, please let me know how it goes if you switch it up. And even, you know, you could send pictures of what your final product looks like. I love it. I love to hear from you guys. So please let me know what you think. And with that, I'll hand the mic back to Nicole. Thanks, Cindy. You know, they haven't tried them yet, but they look fantastic on the site. The picture makes you kind of want to reach in and pull one off the website. When are they going to get to do that in technology? Um, <laughs> we anyway. need scratch and sniff. Uh, yeah, we do. We do. Well, guys, that concludes episode 14 of Coffee with the Queen. 
Thank you for joining us. Again, Cindy just said, links to everything we've discussed today are available on our blog, coffeewiththequeen.com, and on our podcast site, coffeewiththequeen.podbean.com, or scroll down to the end of this episode. If you like this podcast, please let us know by giving us five stars on Apple Podcasts. And if you have any feedback or topics you'd like to discuss, we'd really love to hear about it. Please email us at infowiththequeenbean.com. Finally, to learn more about our coffee, please visit our website, thequeenbean.com. I hope you guys have a great Halloween. Uh, Happy Halloween, guys. See you next month.